This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. It's 24 degrees at Piaco and Crown Point. Thank you so much to the wonderful folks out at Bermudez. The makers of Cricks, your vital supply. Cricks and everything. Cricks and a power breakfast show. Cricks and cheese and zabaka. Mm, maybe not together, but why not? Mm, now I'm getting hungry. Now I'm getting hungry. Good morning to the folks on Bermudez. All right, let's take a look at what's happening traffic-wise. Maybe we should not take a look at what's happening traffic-wise. Wow. All right, where do you think you're going to get traffic? You will get traffic. Holy maloney. From east to west, out of Maraval. Maybe from the Pillars and Maracas. Get the Maracas there. Diego Martin, Sierra Leone. Oh my goodness, that's horrible. That is horrible. Around the Savannah as well. My goodness, coming out to St. Anne's. Whoa. Jerningham Avenue. Whoa. Alright. Yeah, folks, you're in traffic for a while. So let's keep it locked on. We're going to have Dr. Nicole Ramlachan on in a short, short. Okay, she's talking to me here. She's having problems with the Zoom, but she'll get it. She'll get it. All right. All right, so that's your traffic update for you. All right, so we have to get the results of our morning poll. Uh, Pablo, let's get the results of our poll, shall we? He's tallying. The brain is working. Oh, for once. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should unmute so you, much, but... So much I could say there. Are there any other additional votes? Let me... You know, it's a good question. Let me just check that here for you. 
Oh yeah, I got Gordon saying yes. And Gordon, yes, it's working. How is that? Gordon is checking. Yeah. Alright, there we go. Gordon says yes. That's it? Yep. Just got that one. We got Nicole to log on here. So we had 19 votes. And all said yes. Yeah, well, I would say yes. So the question this morning was, do you think CCTV cameras should be installed in the repo area? 19 persons responded to the poll and all said yes. I don't know, it's a no-brainer really, you know, but I, I just don't know. And, and the, uh, one of the callers said you could install them with um, solar panels so that they're charged for overnight use. And yeah. That's all about running electricity lines. No. How long does it take to install that? I know. Shouldn't be long. But I repose that was a stretcher. I had to keep that in mind. I haven't been up there in such a long time. I really don't have the zeal to go up there. So, I don't know. But I guess putting them up on, at certain points would mean that if a car passes, at least you get a license plate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so worst case scenario, you mightn't see who it is. You might actually see a body being dumped, but you'll actually, but you'll actually, actually see yeah. a license plate that you can reference and investigate. You have some data to work with, or have some information to work with. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So while we wait for Nicole to log on, she's having issues. She's not seen. You sent the invite, right, Paul? Yes, I did. Yeah, and I sent it as well. So... So back back to the, uh, <laughs> the human right human rights uh, report. Where is my list? I trying to because it's not looking particularly good at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So we reached uh, arbitrary arrest and detention, arrest procedures, and the treatment of detainees. Police may arrest a person based on a warrant issued or authorized by a magistrate or without a warrant if an officer witnesses the commission of an, of an, an offence. Detainees must be charged and appear before court within 48 hours and the government respected this standard. There is a functioning bail system and bail was uh, ordinarily available to those accused in most crimes. Persons accused of murder, treasons, piracy, kidnapping for ransom or hijacking as well as persons convicted twice of violent crimes are ordinarily ineligible for bail for 120 days. Authorities granted detainees immediate access to a lawyer. The Minister of National Security may authorize prevention, detention to protect public safety, public order, or national defense. The Minister must state the grounds for this detention. In September 2020, the government amended the law that allows courts to use electronic monitoring devices as a condition of bail. It has been applied actually once or twice. Probation or community service. In March, a landmark court order was made for the first use of the new electronic monitoring system. All parties to the proceedings appeared virtually and the applicant was granted bail, conditional to being fitted with an electronic monitoring device, what people commonly know known as an ankle bracelet. Mm-hmm. Pre-trial detention. Lengthy pre-trial detention was a problem in the country. Pre-trial detainees constituted more than two-thirds of the prison population. 
Most detainees' trials had been began seven to ten years after the arrest, although some time even longer, some spent even longer in pre-trial detention. The length of pre-trial detention frequency equaled or exceeded the maximum sentence for the alleged crime. Officials cited several reasons for the backlog, including the burden of the preliminary inquiry process. The law requires anyone charged and detained to appear in person for hearing before a magistrate every 10 days, even if, even if only to have the case postponed for an additional 10 days. The increased case load and created further inefficiency. Steve, just call up, call now. I've yeah, check, it check your, check your thing. It's not coming up for some reason. I haven't, I haven't seen it. There's nobody pending. Just call. Mm-hmm. Right, denial of fair public trial. Law provides for an independent judiciary, and the government generally respected judicial independence and impartiality. Trial procedures. The law provides for the right to a fair and public trial. An independent judiciary generally enforce that right. Criminal defendants enjoy the right to a presumption of innocence, to be informed promptly of the charges, to receive a fair, timely, and public trial. Mind about timely. To be pre- present at their trial, to communicate with an attorney of their choice, or to have one provided at a public expense if unable to pay. To have adequate time and facilities to prepare a defense, to receive the free assistance of an interpreter, for any defendant who cannot understand or speak English, to confront prosecution or plaintiff witnesses and present their own witnesses and evidence, not to be compelled to testify or confess guilt and to appeal. Was that a section that involved trial procedures? Okay. So it involved a certain level of praise there then? Yeah. Yeah. And there's because section two which is. I know interpreters are provided uh, to criminal accused. Spanish-speaking criminal accused. What's new appears in Section 2, and the title of Section 2 is Respect for Civil Liberties, a freedom of expression, including for members of the press and other media. Right? Um, the government generally respected the right to freedom of expression. However, the government sometimes used Antiquated Sedition Act to limit freedom of expression according to some non-governmental organizations, NGOs. Although the High Court struck down sections of the Sedition Act in 2020, the Attorney General appealed the Act and, was, and the Act was reinstated in March. Uh, freedom of expression. Government prosecutors attempted to use the Sedition Law against Watson Duke, a union president and political leader, and the Hindu religious organization Sanatan Dhamma Mahasabha. Although charges against Duke were dismissed, the investigation into the Mahasabha had continued under the Sedition Law for inflammatory statements. The former and now deceased Secretary General of the Mahasabha, Sat Maraj, made a television program regarding citizens living in Tobago. Maraj I'm always t- very cautious of a Sedition Law. Of course. And I was um I was in total agreement with the court um at the high court level shutting it down. I think court of appeal was wrong. Uh, but it, I think it's going to the Privy Council, so we'll hear what the Privy Council says. Well sedition laws were primarily put in place back in the day. Yep. When we were a colony. Exactly. And when the Crown wanted to silence citizens' right to freedom of expression. Am I wrong? Yep. No, that's so to be, so to be using freedom sedition sedition this now arbitrarily is really archaic. Yep. Okay, Steve, the person is now logging on. Apparently, I think she's maybe using her daughter's 
Nicole, <laughs> could you re-orient, re-orient Nicole, your, we watching your, you. your device, please? Yeah, Dr. we are watching you like this. We sing your You're sideways. sideways. I don't know how you're you standing on the wall. Well, how I you do that? I don't know what's going and on. I was, I was going to say something, yeah, but I might get in trouble. Who was I mean, we, we saw the format in each other. I don't know what you were going to say, Paul, but I know that... We saw the, we can we, say it today, we, we can say it. We saw the, we saw the former attorney general on a Zoom sideways the other day, but I mean... He turned his, he turned his <laughs> up. Oh, there <laughs> you go. Right, okay. That is but, fine. Uh, that is fine. Good morning, Dr. Nicole Ramlachan. How are you? I am fine. How are you guys this morning? It Not goes best. to the computers today. That's all I have to say. It goes to the machine. Is it, yeah. is it that you work? I like your, your branding, man. Your branding hot. Yeah. We don't have much space. So every everything else is madness. So this is the, the this little zone here is my is my clutter free crazy. Good branding, good branding. Janai wish and a picture of a, of, of a chromosome. Good branding. Good morning, welcome. How are you? You're well, good? That, that's our logo, huh? Mm hmm. So this Genetics. is actually supposed to represent the genes of the cell, so on the chromosomes. But I'm glad you recognize the chromosome. <laughs> a lot of people don't get that. The Anatomy and physiology, one, two, and three. Yeah. <laughs> the, the X in gene X is actually a chromosome, right? So, mm -hmm. so good morning doing? to you all. Uh, yes, good morning, we wanted to touch base with you this morning because we're at an interesting phase of the pandemic. Right. Uh, it is described as endemic. What does that mean? Well, I mean, unfortunately, we're still seeing cases um, increasing around the world. We've surpassed 500 million cases worldwide. Um, the U.S. has actually had their largest increase since the original strain came in in 2020. Um, and the deaths are over 6 million, as you know. Um, Trinidad and Tobago in particular has had uh, pretty much an exponential growth that is, is, is down a little bit in terms of um, daily numbers. But if you look at the increase in cases and the increase in deaths over the last um, six months, it's actually higher than any other time in the pandemic. Huh? So um, that's one of the things that's concerning to me in that the numbers are coming down because of several things, I'm sure, but one of which which should not be um, underestimated is the fact that we're not testing anymore um, with any large numbers in terms of the RT-PCR testing. All, almost all testing has gone to antigen and home-based testing, which is not reportable to the Ministry of Health. And that's pretty much been um, the same worldwide, right? I mean, and obviously we have to move towards, you know, some sort of level of normalcy as these different are, things are you concerned, about, the, are you concerned in any way about the move to antigen testing um no no i mean it has to happen because um you know people can't afford that that cost in some cases where it is um you know it is still very expensive if you can't go to the ministry of health locally here in particular um and it's prohibitive in most other countries as well it's still in the hundreds of um, dollars us right so I, i'm not concerned about it what i'm concerned about is the lack of information and the real picture of what's happening so for example in the united states they've moved to testing um uh, sewage now to get a real picture of what's happening so that might be something that we might have to start doing here which i you know i don't know if it's going to happen but they they've shown that what, not what only does that mean what, what does that that because because sewage is a good um, a very good uh, epidemiological tool 
um, for looking at disease in individuals um, in a population, in a community, and, and, and that could be extrapolated to many different states. I mean, remember the United States is a very large country, so they could actually realistically compare sewage output, um, take samples from sewage, in other words, from sewage outputs, and actually do epidemiological um, studies on that. And if we've done that in the past for different types of diseases, we could tell you the incidence of influenza and all of those things that come out in the, in the stool um, over time. And the same thing with COVID-19. So they've gone to actually sequencing samples that they've detected from sewage just because they don't have the large numbers of samples coming in through the testing laboratories anymore to be able to say, okay, well, we have higher community spread of um, Omicron versus whatever, whatever. So they actually know now um, almost 85% of the samples um, in most of the United States is already BA2. So um, is, that's already is, taken over. Is, is it that Trinidad Tobago is equipped to do that? We are equipped to test? For sure. Like anybody who is sequencing, CARFA has sequencing, UE has sequencing. Um, anybody who has sequencing can test any samples. But whether or not they will do it, you know, <laughs> remains. Have we, ever have we ever done it before? I'm sure we have. Um, you know, any sample can be tested, right? It doesn't have to be a uh, um, pure viral sample. So any sample can be, what you do when you do a sequencing is you actually have specific primers that sit down in a particular sequence of that um, genome. And that can be detected in any sample. So you purify mm. the DNA out of the sample, whether it's a mucosal sample or stool sample or whatever it may be and you um, uh, test it. Now, some people have gone to pool samples. So they will pool like a community um, of, you know, a, a school or something like that and test the entire pool samples. And then if they get any positives, then they will go in and, and do it class by class or, um, you know, person by person kind of thing. So they've, they've done that in the past as well too in the pandemic. So, I mean, that, that's quite feasible, but I mean, I'm not suggesting that we do it here. I'm just saying that the difficulty, I'm just trying to demonstrate the difficulty in actually trying to determine what's in the community now because testing has come down so low, right? Um, yeah. So when you see well, you don't think, you don't think we have a clear idea of what's really going on? You don't think so, based on the, oh, no. the, 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 the reduction in testing? No, and all we could go for is severe disease and death, and that has definitely come down. Right. So I can tell you for sure, if you look at the hospitalizations, those have reduced um, in Trinidad. Um, the deaths have come down um, in terms of numbers, and that is definitely statistically significant. However, if we look at the populations around the world, um, certain regions in China um, skyrocketing, um, you know, certain regions around the world are undergoing a surge of um, uh, BA.2. BA, BA and now there's the appearance of a new mix of the original Omicron and the, and the BA.2 um, called XE. Now, that's also causing increased cases. But again, we're not seeing um, uh, necessarily uh, um, equivalent increase in severe disease and death, right? So what I want people to understand is that while we say Omicron is milder, it doesn't mean that it's milder for everybody. It means it's as mild as the original variant that came, Wuhan strain that came out of out, out of um, uh, China initially in um, 2019, 2020. And we all know that a lot of people who are unvaccinated were still very susceptible to that. What we're seeing to the vaccinated people um, um, is of course breakthrough cases, which we, we kind of knew were going to happen because as the virus mutates away from the original strain, we always have to remember that all of the vaccines, except for one that has just recently come out of phase three trials out of Moderna, which is a bivalent vaccine, 
all of them were designed to the original Wuhan strain, right? Um, they, we lucked out in that some of them were tested while the variants were circulating in, in um, uh, for example, um, the Delta and the Gamma and so on were circulating and they showed really good um, uh, protection and very specifically against severe disease and death. But they were not designed to those variants, right? So the, the, the vaccines that we're going to get in probably in the fall um, of this year, probably closer down to the end of the year, August, September, October, some of them have been designed to the variants, like the Moderna bivalent vaccine. So they are very specifically effective. What we yeah, do... How, how, do sorry. Uh, you know, the, the, it's your vaccinations, because of course there's been a, um, almost a pause in terms of people... 100%. Yeah, pause in terms of people um, getting vaccinated, even in terms of boosters. Because even though... Um, I well, of course, I argue way too much with people to get vaccinated and way too much with people to get boosted. No, you um, can never argue too much, boy. Just but, keep arguing. But, no, but that's my that's been my rule for two years now, right? Yeah, so, well, so it's it's it is exhausting, and and um, I know there's so many people that I know who were very responsible about getting vaccinated and fully vaccinated, and who are now irresponsible about if i'm using the word if if i may use that word about getting boosted right they're like no i'm not getting boosted no enough no and you see it doesn't make sense to me because when you look at and i keep on telling everybody start with infant vaccination there's a series of vaccines nobody vaccinates their six-week-old child and stops you go back every time the pediatrician says that you need a booster and exactly. if you have to go back until they're 12 years old that's what we do so similarly, if it's a novel virus that your body has never seen, even if you've had pre-infections, right, because it, we have different variants, you must get boosted. You must follow the protocol for in, in um, uh, vaccination because then you are not fully protected. Also, coronaviruses, and I always tell you all this and nobody's taking me on, coronaviruses of which the cold virus is one are notoriously hard to vaccinate against. That's the reason why we don't have a vaccine for the cold virus. We locked out with this coronavirus with SARS-CoV-2, you know. We really locked out because we actually got protection and good protection very early on from the first versions of the vaccines. But immunity wanes for coronaviruses. It is a respiratory virus that constantly changes all the time, just like influenza. Influenza, we have to have a new flu vaccine every single year. And the reason why we include four different or um, three or four different variants of the influenza is similarly the same reason why we're going to probably have to eventually do that with with um, coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 because again the virus changes number one and two immunity is not permanent against coronavirus it's never will be it never has been and people need to understand that just like influenza is a respiratory virus very highly contagious very highly transmissible could pass from one person to another very easily and it can break through because it keeps changing so we're going to come to a place where we probably will be vaccinated once per year or maybe twice per year at least in the next couple of years to get the numbers as low as we can right now we have 65 percent vaccination worldwide which is great i mean kudos to the people who are able to get 86 and 90 percent vaccination in their countries um we are stuck around 50 percent um including boosters but and of course we have nothing available for the 5 to 11 which i still don't understand even though we send them back to school this week which is very very bothersome to me i keep on stressing that because that population of individuals have shown 
increasing cases over time to the variants. Increased hospitalization, increased severe disease, uh, increased death, and more importantly, increased long COVID. Um, in their version, it's different. They get something called MIS-C, multi-inflammatory syndrome um, C. And um, we are seeing numbers of individuals of post-COVID infected children who've developed diabetes, who've never had predisposition or risk. A lot of these long-term NCD disorders, heart dysfunction, all of these things. Um, and basically inflammatory disease that lasts up to a year that we've actually had on record now. So it how, is how important close, how to vaccinate all we, how people. Closely should we be monitoring that school population now that they, they're going out for physical schooling at least and join 20,000 of them it, it should it should get to 200 almost quarter million of them yeah uh, in, a, in a month and and what are the timelines and, and signs we should be looking for well the same thing that? I mean COVID-19 infection is anywhere between now we know two days to two weeks right so whether or not those numbers increase or not will remain to be seen I mean obviously when it is you have an influx of population coming together Regardless of how much we try to mask them and how much time we try to socially isolate them, they're going to be mixing. Um, I'm sure they're going to be mixing at lunch, mixing at break time, mixing when they're walking home, mixing when they're taking their, their bus in their own individual cohorts. So there's going to be quite an uh, increase in the possibility of spread. Um, but but, but the mixing also means because they have to go back home to their families. That's what I'm saying. And they're going to bring it home. And they're going to bring it home to the individuals who may not have been vaccinated, the people who are immunocompromised, the older grandparents, um, people who are at risk, their parents who have um, you know, cardiovascular risk, stroke, diabetes, all of those things. Um, obesity are very high risk. Pregnant mothers who are dropping their children to and from school, um, you know, and sometimes they have to walk them to the gate, all those kinds of things. They're going to be mixing with populations that they would not have mixed with for two years. So we're going to um, probably be in a position of seeing increase in cases, especially because now we're dealing with the BA.2, um, which we know is in Trinidad, the Omicron, which is dominant, and other forms, possibly the XE that might come in soon. And those are all much more highly transmissible. The thing is, is that some people get it and it passes through like a cold. Some people get it, it doesn't show any symptoms at all. But some people get it and they're flat out. Um, even those who have been vaccinated because they're immunocompromised. And that's something I need people to understand. Uh, everybody's coming back with this backlash. I don't have to do no booster. You're not seeing everybody with vaccines get any disease. Yeah, they might be getting the disease, but they're not dying. And we've well, been seeing seems, that over and over. It seems that the state has all but given up on any future vaccination drive. I understand they're in talks with Spain to get some for the 5 to 12. Given what you a reference earlier with huge numbers in places like China and other areas. What is the danger in underestimating this phase of the pandemic? Well, we, we'll, go, we'll just go back to having a, a huge um, epidemic in Trinidad. So what's happening is that we're having, within the pandemic, we're having little epidemics, right? And that's been happening all along. Everybody knows that, right? You have seen cases come up, come down, come up, come down in Singapore and Israel and, you know, as it go, as, as it, as the new variants pass through. And that's really what happens because as the new variants pass through, the unvaccinated people are going to get far more infections. The vaccinated people are going to show some breakthrough, but they will also be able to transmit virus to the unvaccinated and cause those increases. And, and that is what we're seeing right now. Uh, well, we were seeing a couple of months ago in Hong Kong. If you notice the cases were like this in Hong Kong, because they actually had very low vaccinations for some reason um, of the over 60 year olds. Um, the over 60 year olds 
believe in alternative medicine and they were not pushed by the, the Hong Kong government in particular to um, take up vaccination as they did in the mainland. Um, and now in Shanghai, we're seeing um, pretty much total lockdown because they have a zero COVID-19 policy. So now as the countries start to open up, and if you notice, I don't know if you noticed this, that they've took, taken off the U.S., has taken off the ma mask mandate um, on travel, which is critical at this point in time. Because now when you have countries opening up, basically your only hope was the mask, really. Because you're mixing vaccinated and unvaccinated now. People are allowed to come in and out, right? Whether or not they're vaccinated or unvaccinated. Still, in, in most countries, right? Some countries still have a, a, a lock on it. On it. Um, you have to be vaccinated if you're a foreign national and all of that. But generally, it's open, you know, it's open games now. And if you've now, the largest carriers in the world, as in the American carriers, have reduced the, uh, or eliminated the need for mass mandates, including their train travel and all of that. Um, and it, it becomes, it opens up the whole Pandora's box now because at least that physical barrier was something to stop it. And that's why I keep encouraging people to mass, mass, mass. Even if you know you're mixing now with unvaccinated people, you're mixing with vaccinated people, everybody is in the workplace together, meetings have started. Um, we're kind of moving out of the Zoom now and we're getting more to the in-person, um, especially with our, our kids um, is to mask. I mean, even if they have to mask around when they come home initially um, from school and they are exposed to the immunocompromised people in the household and stuff, keep their masks for a little while, at least to, to, to know, you know, what's going on. A lot of people are, are very upset by the idea of their child wearing a mask in school. And we get a lot of pushback from that. But um, the reality is, is that is the barrier that is stopping but, uh, the infection. Now, the whole issue, and, and of course, you referenced it earlier, the issue of reduced severity of disease and reduced death. And you're seeing those numbers declining dramatically from where they were in Trinidad and Tobago now to just single digits. And, and at least one day last week, there were zero deaths. Right. Um, of course, that feeds, I think that is what is feeding into a lot of people suffering from COVID fatigue and just wanting to get back to normalcy, um, who are, those are the ones who are obviously resistant to vaccination now, even though they previously would have been responsible about it, but now they're just not going to get boosted. They're just, they're just so tired of it all, and they just see the decreasing death rate and decreasing severity of disease as, look, even if I get it, it's probably going to be mild. I'm not going to bother anymore. How do I you mean, fight? How do you fight that narrative? It is a, it's a narrative that is that is spreading worldwide. That's one of the reasons why things like masks are becoming optional. Um, Canada has taken off all testing to, for travelers, so you don't you don't even have to do an antigen test now to enter into Canada. Um, it is going to get to the point where people are going to say, "Well, what's the point?" Now, the point is is that they can do that in Canada because they are almost eighty two percent vaccinated, right? And that's what I tell people in Trinidad. Though, what when you seeing those people taking off those restrictions is because their vaccination rate is twice, it's almost twice as high as ours in some cases, or at least you know um, 1.6 times or whatever is higher. And that gives them the ability to be able to allow for more movement, less isolation, um, removing things like mass restrictions, allowing large gatherings, and all of that that we have now started to do here but only because we've had those high, high vaccination rates. Now, the thing is, is that we don't know 
because a lot of people, again, are still getting infected at home, never reporting it. Um, in some cases, very severely. I know some people who've actually um, been very severely infected and treated at home and, and survived. And I've known some people who've actually passed away at home. And, um, you know, they're only tested um, after the fact if it is that they can prove a COVID-19 link. But a lot of people are dying from things like strokes and heart disease and those kinds of things um, that are probably COVID-related that we're not, that we're missing. Um, so that's one of the things too, while we're seeing those numbers um, decreasing, we're not see. and again, remember we're not testing, right? So uh, the severe disease and death, while they are coming down, they're not zero. And I keep on telling everybody that when we had the kind of opening that we did for last year, Easter, for example, we didn't have the kind of deaths and, and cases that we were seeing um, a couple of weeks ago, right? Pre-Easter, pre now if you look at pre-Easter this year and pre-Easter last year, our cases were almost nil when we look at what was happening in Toronto Tobago um, 12 months ago. So you can't be at that same level of nonchalance and COVID. Over. The other day I was wearing two masks in the grocery and I'm demanding front of me dinner. And look at me, he's like, why are you wearing two masks? And COVID done? That was what But then said. how do you respond to persons who will say, well, I went to taste the carnival and me and get sick and... Be, uh, no, I mean, uh, the only way to say is take your chances. It's a lottery. Right, it's it's really literally a lot. I mean, people went point. to fets, um, for for the taster carnival. People had events in the Savannah. People and yeah. they, I mean, yes, there's no, there's no test, there's, there's limited yeah, testing, as I mean, you say, but you're not seeing a lot of hospitalizations after right. that. You're not seeing a lot of an increase in deaths after. So people will say, "Well, what are you jumping me for?" No, but it had a peak, you know, after carnival. It just was underreported. We did have a we did have an increase in cases and deaths after carnival shortly after and in fact what uh, do you mean by it was underreported? Well, nobody really jumped on it and was like, "Oh, look, there's an increase after carnival," like we normally would do. That's what I mean. It was reported in the in the in the Ministry of of Health Statistics, but only if you're looking at it, you would see. Um, the other day we had 440 something um cases and oh, uh, I think it was 15 deaths. Um, that was just literally a couple of weeks after carnival. So uh, that is that shows you that, yeah, I mean, it, it's not super, super high. But then, but but then was, there would people would argue, well, oh, okay, they had 15 deaths for a day and 10 deaths for a day, and then it went back down. So it, it, it didn't right. get exponential as we'd seen before, because that would have been right. in the past 10 exponential growth. Uh, increase in deaths week week on week, but we didn't see that because it went back. No, down. no, so, we only ready we only ready see that post variant appearance. You know, we, we we if you look at the the Easter increase that we saw last year, it was incremental. Mm -hmm. If you look at the um, December Christmas increase um, year before last, it was incremental. We really only see that exponential growth with with the arrival of the variant. So when we got the gamma. When you got the Delta, but when then, you got uh, the But you're underscoring my point because, as I'm saying, people would say, well, and no new variant. We didn't see the exponential growth, so what are we jumping for? Yeah, but that's the whole point. There is a new variant. So we're going to see whether or not it, it's not dominant yet at Toronto Tobago. And we're going to see. I mean, if if it is that the, as the new variant comes in and starts to increase in numbers in transmission and community spread, and it is coupled at the same time with basically an opening up, which is what we've done, and um, back to school, um, we would. This is a real test now to see if there's going to be um, another surge. And unfortunately, and I will tell everybody this: we are always a month behind. Um, generally, the east eastern countries about two to three weeks behind the United States. And 
as they saw their sages, we saw this, we saw our sages in a period of time, you know, about two weeks, two to three weeks, depending on how how fast the variant was transmitted. Delta was a little slower. So Delta, we got about a month after. Um, Omicron, we got literally two weeks after. It was very fast. So we'll see what happens with this new variant. But if we, if um, we are not testing, how are we going to know we're in the middle of a surge? Well, we, t- we are testing, but not obviously as much, right? So, I mean, you, you would obviously a surge, it's the same kind of thing. You know, you'd see people showing up to be tested at the Ministry of Health um, for RT-PCR and so on because they have symptoms. And that's the kind of thing that you, kind of what happened a few weeks ago post-carnival um, and in the first couple of weeks of Easter, um, we actually saw Easter vacation. We actually saw an increase in numbers. So you'd see that kind of stuff and you would see it happening day after day. I mean, you- what I'm saying, we're not testing. I mean, we're not testing as many as we as used much. to test, right? It doesn't mean that we're not testing at all. So you would see, like, if you test 100 and you were getting five positives, you'd you'd see, obviously, that you're, if you're testing 100 today, you'd be getting 50 positives. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd, see, you'd see it increasing over time and you would see it um, again. If it is that it was increasing severe disease and death, you'd see it in the hospitalizations um, and reports of mortality. Now, again, people have to go in to be tested to report the severe disease and immortality. And a lot of people are choosing to treat themselves at home. And there are a lot of doctors that are doing that and offering that service now. Or, or take um, a $50, $50 test from a pharmacy. Sorry? Or take a $50 test from a pharmacy. Well, yeah, they're have... taking a $50 test from a pharmacy, confirming that they're positive, And if they're showing symptoms, they're being treated at home. And in some cases, even the older people who are having severe disease who are immunocompromised are being treated at home. And that might not be the best thing to do because how do, again, how do you battle this phase? Yes, there's a clinical uh, intervention, but now after two almost two and a half years, people are burnt out, and they're just at the point where whatever happened happened. And uh, sad to say, I hate to use the phrase, but who had to dead go dead? I've heard people say so. Yeah, and that's generally, I think, the outlook of most governments, unfortunately. Um, I think they, I think <clears throat> at this stage in the pandemic, I mean, again, some governments have the fortunate status of having been able to employ certain mandates. So, for example, in the United States, they've mandated for health workers, they've mandated for um, all federal workers, all national security, you know, our equivalent of national security army, everybody has to be vaccinated. So because of those mandates, a large part of their population were actually mandated to be vaccinated, including um, educational workers, those kinds of things. Everybody that wasn't really much in contact with a lot of other people have had to be um, vaccinated. Same thing, in, same thing in Canada, same thing in a couple of other countries around the world. So they're in a better position to start off with their baseline of mandatory vaccination and then now everybody extra on top of it. And that's how come they were able to get to those 80 and 90% numbers. Portugal is almost 99%. Portugal don't have anybody else to vaccinate. That's how that's how good things are in Portugal. Um, um, Spain too, they're very, very high vaccine. Iceland is 99%. We're talking about vaccination rates in those countries, included boosting. So, I mean, when you start with that level, it comes to the point now where they, they, they take the stance, we've done what we could. If you don't take us up on our offer, exactly that, who will dead will dead. And that's a lot of what the sad thing about it is those are the countries that could save the most lives if you get severe disease. If you have severe disease, you want to be in, in Scandinavia, you want to be in the United States, you want to be where they have the best of the best. They have 
the circulation of all the, the new um, drugs. I mean, and that's something that we don't talk about, but they've done very well in terms of treatment of mild to moderate um, COVID-19 with a lot of those drugs that have come out. So once you get it, treatment is in, in the first five days and you get treatment in the first five days, it's fantastic. Your recovery is almost always, you know, it's, it's in the 90% now, which we didn't have early on in the pandemic, right? So, you know, coupled with all of that, I would say that a lot of those countries that have taken that stance of who will dead with dead have done so by not necessarily just abandoning their people, but providing every possible option for them at every possible point. And now two and a half years into this are saying, okay, well, we're opening back up, we're opening back up slowly. And, um, you know, a lot of them have taken off most of their mandates and are fully operational and it's working out. In some cases, in some countries, you've seen the spikes and they've had to shut back down again. And I think that's going to happen a few more times before the end of the year. The um, WHO's goal was 70% vaccination by July for the worldwide average. I think they will get around that. Um, but again, that will translate to a lot of herd immunity to the countries that have been able to vaccinate. And what are the a metrics? Lot less, what will be the contributing metrics? What will be the contributing metrics before the WHO says this pandemic is over? What are some of the things they look at? Well, they will, they will never say it's over. They will say it's going into the endemic stage, right? Um, population numbers, obviously, in terms of severe disease and, and death is, is number one. Um, and number of cases, of course, is number two. And um, crossing your fingers that there are no new mutations that increase that. Once we get the milder variants, while even though very contagious and not causing the severe disease and death, especially vaccinated individuals that we saw early on uh, with the variants, I think they would be well on to saying that it's on the endemic stage. We're never going to be over um, until we get to the point where we can control it and we get literally as low number of cases as we can. Um, I don't think there's a cutoff point. I believe that they are looking towards the vaccination level um, and the case level, because if you look at the number of cases, um, worldwide, right, and and you are approaching um, that kind of balance, then then they can say, okay, well, this is the number of deaths have dropped off so much, and the number of cases have dropped off so much that we can say we're officially in the endemic stage. So, like for example, something like flu, we still have over thirty thousand deaths from flu. Um, it, it in in states around the world, uh, in in the United States, for for example, and we have hundreds of thousands of deaths around the world, and that is deemed to be endemic. Right. Um, so I think once we're not in the high levels of like on high being hundreds of thousands of of um, deaths per day, which is what we were seeing um, and what we are still seeing. Once we, once that comes down and it comes into a per year or per six months, then we can safely say that we're in the endemic stage. Do you think you could hazard a guess whether that would happen in 2022? Um. I wouldn't, I, you know, it really, it's a, it's a risk because you, you, nobody can see the future and nobody can see what these variants can do. And if the arrival of a new variant is going to wipe us out again, right? That is unfortunately, I mean, I laugh, but I laugh, you know, with a, with a sense of irony, irony because we can't see it. We don't know. If, if, we are, if we continue on the level of vaccination where we get upwards of 70, 75% worldwide, um, especially in a lot of those countries where um, we haven't been able to get to the end endemic stage or anywhere close to the endemic stage yet. Um, 
we we probably would have a chance. I would say if it is the, the, the virus continues to mutate. And what's been happening now is that the virus has been detected in wild animals again, huh? because it's going back and forth. So it's been detected in the mink, it's been detected in the deer, it's been detected in bats, obviously. Um, that's where they think Omicron came from. They believe that Omicron actually went into a bat and mutated and came back out. And what happens when that happens now is that it becomes almost like super viruses because now they have been able to mutate in a happy host that doesn't kill it, um, doesn't cause disease to the host, so the, the virus doesn't kill the host either, but allows for that mutation to take place so so at such a high rate that when it comes back out, it has things that we've never seen before. So if that continues to happen, um, and again, that is related to wildlife trafficking, it's related to climate change. A lot of people don't realize that link. Eh? They feel that we are isolated people, individuals living in our house, and we don't have anything to do with that. What is that climate change you talk about? And that encroaching on and wildlife habitats and that illegal trafficking. That have nothing to do with me. I don't live in China. I don't eat bats. And I don't, you know, that's what people talk about. But they don't realize the hunting of a guti, all of those things, the encroaching on, on our, our life, wildlife population. The other day, a slash and burn farmer came and burned down all the bush and forest behind my um, house. Because uh, he's ready to plant. And all the parrots and all the birds and everything that we used to seek up flying home every day, gone. Because he burned up all their nests and all their, their habitats. Those are the things. Because that is in allowing them to become closer and closer to us. And that is what happens. When they become closer and closer to us, viruses jump host and we get the mutations that we don't want to see. So it's not only that the unvaccinated acting as host, huh? it's the animals acting as host too. So when that happens... It can't predict. So I can't tell you. I mean, I would be hopeful within the year, within a year. I would be hopeful by this time next year, we would be cooling down from carnival and we'd be all in a great place and everything would be happy and we'd be, um, you know, as disease free as possible. But I am not going to put my head on a block and say this date is when the cutoff because when we don't know. When's the next shuttle to Jupiter? When's the next one? <laughs> shuttle to Jupiter. But then <laughs> might ban me. They might say you might bring it on Jupiter. <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a hard it's a hard place to be right now. Um, when it is that you we are so close to the finish line, huh? We are so close. But I mean, but you know, I heard a really good um Tedros, who's my, my partner from EWHO, yeah, said the other day, you know, listen, we gave you all the weapons. We've given you all the weapons. You all just have to pick them up, right? Literally. If you all pick them up and use them will be over and this will be done this war would be something of the past we talk about like the 1918 flu and we would talk about it and be like wow remember that remember what happened and and our great-grandchildren would see those pictures of all of us masks and in hazmat suits and all of that and the bodies burning on paris and the parking lot in india and be like wow what a time that was i live through the pandemic i don't know what your time is like dr ramachan but i know we have the news coming up and i'm hoping we could chat a bit about the the advances in medical interventions that you said people should be talking about so i hope you can hold yeah just hold on one second um Nikki, we'll be right back with you. Let's get into our news update. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.